Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yoga Revealed Podcast. This is Alec Vishal Rubin, and I am so happy and grateful to welcome you back to another episode. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to two powerful souls in my community here in Colorado. Kevin and Amanda co-facilitate Habitual Roots, weaving together the medicine that Sangha brings through yoga, meditation, breath work, retreats, and so many other events that we all know make a difference when we come together from living in this wild world today. Please join me as we dive deep into a conversation around how yoga has not only elevated their journeys, but been the key to their transformation and how it can also support you in yours. And don't forget that Drishti Beats Festival is happening July 8th through 10th, 2022 in Snowmass Aspen of Colorado. And all three of us and many of past Yoga Revealed interviewees over the years will be there teaching, presenting, and loving life together. You can use YR Beats as a 20% discount code to reserve your ticket. My friends, enjoy this episode of Yoga Revealed. Yoga Revealed family, this is Alec Michelle Rubin. So grateful to be here with you coming live from Boulder, Colorado with two incredible human beings and incredible yogis and facilitators and leaders in our incredible, powerful place that we get to live in here. And I'm just so excited to welcome both of you, Kevin and Amanda, to Yoga Revealed and for coming into my life and being able to co-create so much excitement this summer <laughs> And I'm just excited to be here with you both. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's an honor. I love it. So mm -hmm. the first thing that I always love to share with everyone who's listening, they already know it, but you might not know it. So I'd love to hear your stories of how is yoga first revealed to you? 
Hmm. Who wants to go first, Amanda or Kevin? <laughs> I can go first. Awesome. Um, so when I was in high school, I actually don't think I've shared this story mm-hmm. with you. Um, when I was in high school, I played basketball for like 12 years. I blew out my knee and I was going through rehab and my high school English teacher was like, you know, you're kind of a hippie. You should come to yoga. And I was like, okay. Um, and I went and I hated it because I couldn't do anything. I didn't have my range of motion back in my knee. I had been out of the gym. So like my arms were really weak and I just, but I remember standing in Tadasana, staring at the wall at our home studio in California. And it was a giant white Lotus. And I was just like, I feel something hate the physical practice, but something's (laughs) happening. Um, and I had no idea what it meant at the Mm -hmm. time, but, um, fast forward into college, I, you know, dabbled to classes here and there, found like a little local studio that I liked, but I definitely wasn't a dedicated practitioner. And then I just felt this call, like instinctive intuition Mm -hmm. to go to India Mm -hmm. and to study. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I (laughs) went there knowing absolutely nothing, uh, and it was the most life-changing experience wow. that I've ever had. How old um, were you? I w- it was in wait, 2012. So 10 years ago, I was 24. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So I studied there for several weeks and then went on and traveled all over Southeast Asia, spent most of my twenties traveling, um, ended up my first teaching job was in Honduras on an Island. So this woman was like, you have your teacher training, right? Can you like take <laughs> over the studio for me while I'm gone for three weeks? And I was like, well, I'm here to dive, but sure. So that was my first job. Wow. Literally lugged yoga mats in a backpacking backpack down the street up to a dock overlooking the ocean to teach mm-hmm. sunset yoga. So, and then when I got back to the States, I was like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to be doing this. Wow. Um, and yeah, it's been almost, it's been 10 years since I went to India, nine since I started teaching. And yeah, here we are, I basically facilitate and teach full time. I love it. Yeah. And at when at what point would you say, because I know that you have an amazing teacher who I've taken a few classes with, mm-hmm. and I'd love to hear what was the journey on finding that teacher from taking your first training, diving deep into being seeing that this is something that you're so deeply passionate and aligned with of studying and serving. What was the relationship of student teacher mm-hmm. coming into embodiment for you? One of the greatest gifts going to India was, it taught me just the power of reverence Mm. for the practice. And the fact that something inside of me told me to go there Mm. versus, I mean, I'm sure there's a million amazing trainings you can do all over the world. But for me, my heart was like, you have to go here, at least for the first experience. And then when I was Um, I wasn't leading a retreat, but I was like an onsite coordinator for a retreat in Peru. And the teachers there mentioned that she had done a training with Annie Carpenter. Uh, And so when I got back home, I realized, oh, she's in the next town. So I went to one of her workshops and immediately was like, I want to do her advanced training. But I talked to her and she's like, you know, even if you have a 200, doing the smart flow 200 is different. (laughs) And she was very right. So my teacher is Annie Carpenter. She's in Oakland and actually just did another 75 hours with her. Um, still letting all of that land. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've, I basically do trainings with her every year. I assisted this one and trying to get her to come out to Denver. Mm. So yeah, as soon, as soon as I started training with her, I just. So awesome. I, I Like when I'm in her presence, I go into complete like disciple mode, which is a mode I love being in. Mm-hmm. Like I want to sit up straighter. I want to take good notes. I want to mm-hmm. absorb everything. And um, yeah, I just, 
I'm so, so, so grateful that I found her and she's so accessible. Like Mm. she's, I mean, I moved away from California, but she's still just a few Mm. states away. It's amazing when there's a certain person in the world that comes into our lives that holds that frequency of teacher and how our full posture, our presence, our attention (laughs) is undivided when they're in the room. Mm -hmm. It's it's pretty profound when someone like that comes into our lives. So Mm. I'm stoked that you found that for yourself. Yeah. And feeling so seen, you know, because that inspires me to also be able to see people on a similar level. Like Mm. it's just, it's wild her ability to see bodies Mm. and the way that they move. I mean, she comes from a dance background, but she's also, you know, she had a lot of the opportunities I wasn't able to have because Mm. I'm so much younger. So she was Mm. able to study with all of these teachers directly. So it's also this path of like, you know, even though I wasn't able to study with those teachers from India, she did. And so I have this connection still always, um, to where yoga comes from, which is so important to me and just living in the modern world, but being able to continue to tie in all of the ancient wisdom, the Mm -hmm. boundless wisdom that Mm -hmm. comes from the practice. And Mm -hmm. that's what she does so seamlessly. I love it. I love it. I feel like we both share the beauty of having a senior teacher who has their closest route to whether it was Batabi or Iyengar or these other senior, senior teachers that have, you know, mostly transitioned. There's Mm -hmm. that next generation. And then there's the generation that is ours that is being able to carry forward into learning from the current now senior teachers. So it's amazing. Mm -hmm. I love hearing your journey. That's great. Thank you. Kevin, I'd love to, I'm going to come back for sure. And Kevin, I'd love to hear your journey as someone who, I know you have a nonprofit. I want to get into that of what the beauty is that you've been able to support so many people in your nonprofit, yet how is yoga revealed itself to you? And what has that journey carried forward to, to bring you here in Denver? Hmm. I find similar to what um, Amanda had shared is the practice in itself, I found Um, wasn't the underlining uh, passion behind what yoga actually was for me. Mm. I found actually through pranayama, coming back to the breath was what actually drove me to find what yoga was really about. Mm. Um, And society at first, where I was from in North Carolina, it was predominantly just the movement and the expression and the practice itself. But then as I lost myself in the movement and the practice, I found something deeper um, with the breath itself. And it kept taking me further into something that I wanted to understand and feel more within myself and how it revealed itself was truly seeing a human being fully expressing themselves through breath work and me never experiencing or seeing breath work before asking this human, are they okay? Are you hyperventilating right now? (laughs) And by them laughing just like that, looking at me like, no, sir, I'm fine. I'm just clearing myself of a hangover and them sharing the science and also the modality of breath work and how it can clear the system, how it can rebalance the pH levels and the acidity in our blood and our experience as a human. Mm. It opened up this perspective and this door as to what is the breath and what a part of that a denominator to our human experience can actually take us further into who we are beyond the physical. Mm. You know, one thing that I just love from what you shared is I think everyone can find at some point in time, you know, you wake up, you go upon your day, like it's any other day. And then something happens that can totally redirect or 
install you with this new path where you saw this guy hyperventilating and you're like, Hey, <laughs> you're right. Mm-hmm. And his response created this incredible transformation in you to self-inquire and to dive deep into pranayama and breath work. So I'm, I'm curious beyond that day, what accumulated over the last X amount of years to have you continue pursuing breath work and, and just the self-discovery of breath work and then teaching breath work. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for asking. I find that let's start from beginning and all the way to now with realizing the depth of that practice, that modality and the concepts of what breath work is, it opened up my reconnection to what I'd studied with like the subconscious, the theology of the brain and the mind and the experience that that in itself, the breath is the very first thing that all humans, all experiences, all beings had to learn, but no one ever actually trained us or Mm. taught us or conditioned us to know what the breath was. It was just, Hey, you're now in this world after a very traumatic experience of coming into this world at Mm. times and you haven't learned how to breathe. And by realizing that that's the very first thing, then that's the very first encoding that we had to program ourselves into our subconscious Mm -hmm. and because of our subconscious experiencing the breath as the first thing that means that that is the key to our subconscious mind to our 90 percent of our programming 90 percent of our just essence of being as a human and so with that it started creating more questions for me of what is the breath to us if that is the first thing that we had to automate in our lives besides walking besides speaking besides listening the breath is the first thing and so as it started creating this concept of the bridge or the gateway to our subconscious then it allowed me to ask others how do we begin to open up the door for ourselves and come back to our breath? And it started creating this direction away from my conditioning of engineering, away from the path of finding the home, finding the white picket fence, the conditioning of North Carolina, the conditioning of my family and the ancestral traditions of who I am as an essence through the breath. And the breath is what took me to finding the purest form of me And it drove me into this passion of how do I allow others to find the purest form of themselves, whether through movement, whether through breath, whether through dance, however that expression looks like, it's just allowing the capacity and the space for them to experience it. But of course, this breath is the first step. Wow. So passionate and so present and alive. What do you feel like is one of your do you, can you share a little bit about your own your your personal daily pranayama practice and what that looks like from a day to day? It's evolved. Um, it's always listening to the body, and thank you for asking that. Um, in this container today, it's a lot more of a nidra practice. Mm. So I found myself used to exploding out of bed with so much energy. <laughs> uh, as a human design en- generator, um, I have so much pent up energy that I know that sun wants me to use. Mm. And uh, the moment now when I wake up, I harness it in within and alchemize it in a way that I can actually uh, disperse it a lot more softly, a lot more mm. gently. So my, it's more like a nidra. Let me stay in my body. Let me not move any part of my muscle and just stay with my breath and notice parts of my toes and work my way all the way up to my head and work myself all the way back down. Before it was literally explode out of bed, do essentially like a, a <laughs> uh, like a Wim Hof style 
kind of uh, just a breath work. Totally. Yeah, I love it. And <laughs> and tell us a little because both of you are deeply involved with habitual roots, correct? Can you tell me about the atmosphere, the energy, the ethos of habitual roots, and what is that? <laughs> well, Kevin's a co-founder, so I feel like he could start, but I'll add on. Okay, definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you for that. Uh, it's evolved as all things do. Um, we started off in 2017 as an LLC, and our essence was to um, bring it into environments where it broke me and the founding group, um, and which was corporations. So mm-hmm. we used to work a lot in businesses and, and essentially found ourselves seeing a similar trend, at least in that environment specifically. And then as we continued down that venture, we started seeing that it was beyond just the offices, beyond just the cubicles, but it was in every nook and cranny of a lot of environments, you know, from schools to, you know, again, out on the playground at the park. And like what we started seeing was it was just the essence of where our time was as Mm -hmm. a human race um, and that the human race in itself was not even the intention is like how do we come back within ourselves and our purest form of habitual roots became a nonprofit because we aimed to provide it in a more accessible stigma free and playful environment where people can really tap back into what community can be and really has been and coming back to that true essence of being amongst each other and especially experiencing a space of true integration, Um, taking these modalities that we experience on the mat, these experiences and feelings and emotions that come up through the activities that we share, but then having the level of support and freedom from the other individuals that come together and congregate to really share a time and space of witnessing each other, holding each other, and being free with each other um, is what I find is really unique about our community. Wow. I mm-hmm. love it. What else? Um, so I came on in 2020. I met Kevin through a friend and I came on as like a movement teacher. We were doing yoga in the park. Um, it was during COVID when we weren't supposed to gather. Um, and we did anyway, and we would have, you know, no one, people didn't have anywhere else to go. So we're like, just space out. It's fine. Um, so we gathered in the park that whole summer and just started building this beautiful community here that continues to expand and evolve. Um, and for me, what I've come to realize is that as this person who offers a movement practice is that it's not just physical movement. It's also like, you know, helping people discover the way that they move emotions, Mm. the way that they move energy, Mm. the way that they move themselves through the world, like their energetic presence, Mm. like even just the way they move their body when they're interacting with someone. Mm. Um, And I think what I've realized is we have this really fun focus on play and through play, it gives people this sense of wonder and awe about all the things, even just like putting your feet in the grass and bringing us back to this inner childlike state where we can drop all the judgments and drop all the expectations and obligations, even if it's just for the hour that they're with us. But it is like we see people literally just like, whoosh, mm. let stuff go. Whether they get in their car and get cut off on the way home and pick it right back up, you know, like mm. who knows how long they stay in that state. But what I found with the community we're creating and it's funny because we don't even have a container necessarily. Mm. We, you know, we jump around from different parks, different studios, different spiritual centers where we host these classes, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter mm-hmm. because every time we are gathering, 
we've learned how to just hold this space in this container where as soon as people step into this imaginary threshold that we have, it's like, you can see the weight is lifted. It becomes tangible. Yeah. 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 It's beautiful. I mean, I, you know, at the end of the day, we are here to serve and it is a nonprofit. And as a yoga teacher, like, you know, this is one of our missions in life is to show up and serve the community. And so I've come like, even just had this realization after this recent training with Annie, where, you know, I'm not here to teach people what I know, but I'm here to teach people what they know. Mm. And it's all a practice of remembrance. So it's just whatever guidance we can provide people to get them back to that place of purity and like innocence and awe and awakeness within themselves is it's just such an honor yesterday. And my, I love that so much yesterday, as I was finishing my afternoon practice, something that came to me is like for, for me in my own personal relationship to my soul's true nature, I feel deeply play joy, total nonchalance and carefreeness. That's just mm-hmm. like, I feel that deeply within and as challenge and life has jaded me, death has been brought into my life and different things have almost had me believe that it's so real. I've become separate in my illusion from that natural state of my soul's true nature. And I think that there's a lot of the facade and the delusion, the Maya out in the world that takes us away from that. And it's so critically important to have community in this way of what both of you are co-bringing together for people to return to that initial soul's calling, that soul sense of just being present and safe. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's so, that's what I hear from, from this. So I just, I love that habitual roots. Tell me about that name, habitual roots. Mm-hmm. Where, what's that about? I like it. What's it about? Yeah. Thank you for thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you for sharing that because it also ties into the name in itself, mm. right? That container, the essence that we all bring as whether it's the facilitator or even a person has come to one class or 40 plus classes, it's that again, the story that we all live in, the habitual state of what it means to be you in this life is what sometimes gets clouded, right? Mm. The conditioning the story and the identity that we place on ourselves through life in itself is what sometimes takes us away further from what being means Mm. and something that I think we've realized a lot more in our offering is that the container that is there is that the moment someone steps out of their vehicle or steps into the class or steps into like the grass itself it's that weight there is a presence of, or a container of that space that allows their habitual way of being to be released. That story, that identity allows them to be free, mm. right? And that habitual roots is that balance of, yes, there is structure and identity and the correctness of what it means to understand the, let's say, uh, the ha- habitual forms of ourselves, mm. But then the roots is actually that feminine essence of what it means to flow and be tapped into the nature and the essence of being. So then it's that fine dance of knowing the organizations of what the brain can provide and support us in. And then the roots is the actual foundation of how do we actually utilize the essence of our modalities and the practices that we share and also allow people to remember. But how do we reorganize it into the essence of being, Mm. right? Wow. Potent. 
Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> How often are you all coming together at this point? Hmm. I mean, I see a man there almost every day. Every well, so I mean, events <laughs> community where, uh, events within habitual roots. What kind of events are you all ho- holding within yoga classes? What else does habitual roots offer to the community? Yeah, um, we offer a wide range and variety. Um, weekly, we offer like modalities around meditation. Uh, Wednesday, uh, sunset yoga with Amanda. We have Saturday mornings as well, Sunday offerings. And then we also do more unique offerings from potlucks to stand up paddleboard yogas to even having um, our Haven activation this Friday as well, which will then be our ecstatic dance encompassed with the yoga practice movement as well. So mm-hmm. allowing a little bit of that uh, I think smart flow or that experience uh, that you had kind of shared before. I love it. Yeah. I love it. We also do quarterly events. So for every solstice and equinox, we do the 108 sun salutations, cacao ceremony and ecstatic dance events. Those are my favorites. We just get community together and, you know, every event in every season is a celebration, but you know, summer's coming up. We're doing our celebration Saturday and specifically this one literally is all about like, welcoming the light back in like what have you been growing and watering these past few months for spring and now it's summertime just like blast everything with sunshine and light (laughs) um and it's such a and heat (laughs) yeah and it's such a beautiful celebration and and you know like fall and winter very different very different lessons and teachings there but also still allowing people to move and play and Mm -hmm. dance and community um and when you mentioned community before just the power of it Mm. It's so interesting because, you know, the original yogis would go off in um, caves and they would isolate themselves. Mm. Um, And I've realized now, like the way that we have to navigate this world and this culture and all of this stuff and the media and the technology and all of these things that are different, you know, Mm. than, than the way that they lived. And one of the ways that we navigated it is we have our practices and it's so important to what I call like a playful devotion or playful Mm -hmm. discipline of Mm -hmm. having your practices, your sadhana, where you do something. And a lot of times I think it's more potent to do those things by yourself, but practicing in community and joining community events and just having a spiritual community Mm -hmm. in general Mm -hmm. is one of the keys to unlocking how to integrate your experiences. Mm -hmm. And whether it's a positive experience, a mind blowing experience that you have, or it's an experience that brings you to your knees and, you know, grief, for example, Mm. these are all things that we have to integrate because otherwise they live in our heads. We stay so abstract and cerebral and analytical about things. Mm. Community is a space where you can feel held. You can share. You can, we, one of the things we literally teach people is how to authentically relate and how to actively listen and hold space. Mm. And so people can come in and they can feel that sense of support and start to allow things to go through them you know, rather mm. than just letting stuff either live in the mind or things get stuck in the body. Yeah. I, I, there's so much that you tap on that I find of such value where, you know, going to a public yoga class is awesome. I'm all about it. I think that community is very important. And just as you're saying, you might learn something in that yoga class in the experience of whatever the teacher is teaching you, something that landed for you in your body and your emotional state, your physical form, some form of asana. And then to be able to integrate that or to integrate the experience of being able to see your teacher, that is really done on your mat Mm. at home in front of your altar. This is literally where I practice Mm -hmm. every morning. 
This giant right. yoga mat is awesome. This giant <laughs> yoga mat. I like the giant mat instead of the small mat. I really do. Yeah, it's incredible. And, uh, so, you know, I mean, I, I, I remember like, and it wasn't always like that for me. I don't know about you. Mm-hmm. For five years going to public yoga class, that was my practice and it was practice. And then I found myself in the realm of Ashtanga yoga for several years. And that was a different facet of practice. Mm-hmm. And then it took me personally seven years to bring my yoga practice home, mm-hmm. at home, where I practice by myself. And I found that that was a new layer of integration from what my teacher was teaching and also from what the shithole that life was bringing me and the storm <laughs> that would come because mm-hmm. it does come. And I think that, you know, there's some other things that you're saying that I'd love to hear your, your experience and yours as well, Kevin, when challenges arising internally in the collective, our world's on fire right now, has been on fire. I mean, I don't know about you. I, I think the world's on fire. Mm-hmm. I think the world's been on fire and I think it's going to continue to be on fire. It's a little more dark, yet I have my own internal faith in light of what's able to find solace in. And I find that solace for me in my own practice, yet for you, how do you approach the challenge that is present in life from what we see on the news, what we see happening in the world, or what maybe you know friends who are going through personal health issues or financial struggle or X, Y, and Z? There will always be unseen variables in the world. How has your practice been able, how, how has your practice been a teacher for you in that way for your own self and for the world? I'd love for you to kind of elaborate on that. Yeah. I mean, of course I look at everything through a yogic lens. <laughs> uh, and so my first response, I, I feel like there's, we could talk about this alone mm. for a really long time, but for me, it's just coming back into balance, balancing the fundamental forces of the universe. So in the yogic practice, we have the gunas. So we have sattva, rajas, tamas. And I feel like when shit hits the fan, people go to Tamas or Rajas and they're like, okay, constant change, need to fix things, need to do stuff. Or they're in this Tamasic state of, it's not always negative, but oftentimes sluggish or lazy or, you know, inactive. Um, And for me, it's how do we continue to balance these things as we, you know, swirl in and out of these different energies and being able to find that sattva within ourselves. And that's the joy mm. and that's the delight. And that's mm. remembering who we are amongst mm. all of this chaos. Mm. Um, because I, I mean, at the end of the day, the most effective thing I can do is show up as my authentic self and remind people that this is something they can do as well. Mm. And that's more powerful than I think, you know, anything else, because if people are showing up, trying to be someone else or trying to please someone else or not knowing how to form their own opinions and practice discernment, then that's when separation happens. And that's when people just end up kind of like falling in line or maybe perhaps following a person or an idea or a thought that doesn't actually align with them. Mm. Um, so for me, I think that's just a very kind of like a basic answer to that, but it's, it's definitely a foundational thing that I've tried to remind myself, especially over these last few years where it's just been, and another one and Mm. another thing, Mm. (laughs) um, you know, it's just, it's really hard. It's really challenging. And I think honoring that and acknowledging that is also really important to not like, it's not all rainbows and butterflies. 
and I might wear rainbows and butterflies all the time, (laughs) but you know, I, I think sometimes we have our biggest spiritual awakenings when sometimes we have complete Samadhi bliss Mm -hmm. state realizations and that's what gets us there. Mm -hmm. And other times it's when we experience our darkest moments of grief Mm -hmm. or our biggest struggles. Mm -hmm. And, you know, however we get there, I just want to remind people we are in this together. Mm -hmm. We are here to support each other. And Kevin and I often remind everyone in our community, we're here to make people feel both held and free. Mm -hmm. So we want you to be free to find yourself to discover all of the awe and wonder of the world and also feel held in your community. So when you do need support, you have people, Mm. people in your corner always. I love it so much. Mm. I feel like as I've explored grief in the last five years, I've been practicing now for for 10 years and teaching for 10. So I love that we're like right there. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. In the last five years, that's really when grief has entered my life. And I've been able to explore grief in a healthy and an integrative way. Deep underneath grief is this wellspring of infinite love to be able to tap into as we move through whatever the experience is. Right. And and the yoga practice for me has been a place of solace in that way. So I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your your words in that. And Kevin, I wonder about you, brother, what's your experience in being able to utilize your practices, your breath work, when you attend practices and you're moving through the asana as a, as, as a, a facet to be able to process the challenge that life is, that life can be where there is the joy, there is the beauty, but then naturally as something occurs, something happens, your bike gets stolen or something terrible occurs, whatever it is, how do you hold your posture? Cause you are such a composed energetic generator, which I am like, so in awe cause I'm a manifesting generator and I'm like, <laughs> like cookie, cookie monster. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But really, yeah. <laughs> really, this, these shares have been um, really potent and just like hitting home mm. for me. Um, and so I'm just serenading in that in this moment. And the concept of the challenge is like, it's, it's never ending, right? Mm. The life that we live in is this continuous order and chaos. And that essence of that balance is where the fun begins mm. and realizing the moments as the spiraling of those samsaras and those things start to happen. And it's when that awareness comes up and you see the, let's say chaos, or like let's say something comes up that is um, in that space is how do we find our essence, our way of being. Um, and again, with the breath, with the modalities, with the practice in, in itself, it's very easy to be strayed from all the stir and all the noise that is happening around us and say, Hey, focus on this or do this or fix this or create this. But in reality, we don't have to really do anything. In the essence that I really love in the concept of nature, right? Lao Tzu says, nature never rushes, but yet all is done. (laughs) And coming back to that same realization is, with all this happening all around us, the world, yes, is on fire, but yet there is parts of the world that is also freezing, right? Hmm. And if we can remember that the world is always balanced mm. and it's always about where we look mm. is where we place ourselves. Mm. 
And so for myself, when I breathe, when I am, when I am being, I see both as best as I can. I am human, right? We have emotions, we experience things, but it's realizing how can we place ourselves right there to see and act and be in a space of honoring the destruction and rebirth Mm. and seeing that as things deconstruct itself, that it's also reconstructed. Mm. And I always love the realization that the greater the contraction, the greater the expansion. And so as we simply start to soften ourselves, start to slow down, that is where all that energy of the generating starts to happen because then I can start to respond and I can start to actually show up. And it's not about me doing anything. It's me being something. And by being something, someone else is becoming something. And simply, instead of asking, what does the world need more of? What we need to start asking is what makes you feel alive so you can be something. So what we can do is start to be ourselves. And by being ourselves, we inspire others to be themselves, choosing what makes them feel alive. And by doing so, all of that starts to create that perpetuation of the balance, Mm. I find. Wow. So much profundity. That's amazing. Thank (laughs) you. Divine balance. Yes, Mm. indeed. Wow. Good moments to take a breath. Mm. I love that. So I wonder for both of you, what are your practices teaching you right now in your life? It's evolved over the years, right? Mm. But we all know that. But like right now, what do you feel like is present for you in your practice? Mm. I'll share first. Mm-hmm. Mm. I find right now, um, I'm experiencing a deeper layer of another samsara, Mm. Um, but I have awareness around it. So Mm. the beauty behind it is now, how do I show up to it, you know, with love and kindness and um, with this experience right now, I find that it's genuinely going deeper into this and I've called it uh, a next level version of puberty, right? where I'm going back to that same teenage version of myself. I've done the inner child stuff. And of course it still comes up and I still love that version of me very much, but now I'm working on the teenage side of things where there was a time of a lot of emotions coming up and I wasn't necessarily having an environment or space that honored it or allowed it to be expressed fully. So this time now I'm experiencing this layer of me really allowing it to be seen and heard and felt in such a way that I can also speak freely, Mm. but feel freely. Mm. And through, as we all know, feeling can be healing. Mm -hmm. And this opportunity now, right now, my practice is creating my own internal safe container through the breath um, that guides me in my journey of feeling. Amazing. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so many things (laughs) um but what's coming up in this moment is just the reminder that to the degree that I focus on my own practice and go as deep as I go is also the degree that I can take others Mm -hmm. and so you know when I'm one of my mentors says like when we're 
when you're sharing something, like you can go to the deep end of the pool, you can stay in the shallow end of the pool. You can even hang out in the baby pool if you'd like. And sometimes I think about that with our practices, right? Is like, there's days where I'm hanging out in the baby pool. I'm rolling around on the floor. That's my practice. Mm. And then there's days where I am in the deep end of the pool and I am like, you know, needing space to even integrate my own stuff. Um, and so for me, that reminder of, again, the, the depth that I go and the space that I hold for myself is also what I'm capable of doing for others. And I think that just comes back to, for me, just the, the honor that I have for the student teacher relationship. Mm -hmm. And I feel one thing I've, we've gotten so much reflection on with habitual roots is that when people come to our classes or our events, that they feel like they can show up as whatever version of themselves, whatever they are going through, what even physically, like people will come and they'll be like, Hey, I need to modify today, but I still want to be here. Um, and just feeling safe in the, in the containers that we create. And I think for me, it's just a reminder of, you know, I have it literally tattooed on my body practice and all is coming when I'm not doing my practice. I like, it's just not, or when I'm hanging out in the baby pool a lot, like I just, hmm. you know, it's practice is still fun, but for me, it's about, I love that depth. I want to deep dive and I want to help others deep dive. Um, and, and yeah, it's just a reminder of that. Hmm. I love that. Thank you. Hmm. Hmm. I have more, but I feel like I could just go on forever, you know? <laughs> I think it's a welcome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. I think with habitual roots, it's really opened me up as a teacher. Like mm. I just, it doesn't make sense for me to show up at 10 different studios every week and just be banging out classes. Like I do teach a lot, but going outside of the studio and even in my own practice, like, you know, practicing at home, practicing in the park, just making a practice space wherever I go. Um, it just reminds me that this is, you know, opening it up to people that might not come to a studio. Mm -hmm. uh, and for me, that's one of the most potent things that we do. And I'm rem reminded of that in my own practice, because there's days where I like, there's days where I get out all the props, as you know, and we have the chairs and the pit, like the bolsters and all the things. And then there's days where I just sit in the park and I don't even have a yoga mat. Mm -hmm. um, I'll bring my little towel from India and just like lay that out um, mm -hmm. or my rug. And yeah, I think that's just such a nice reminder that I get often. It's like, we don't need that much to practice. And it's a good reminder for other people who sometimes get intimidated to start the practice or mm -hmm. to come to a yoga class or to enter a yoga studio where they may feel like they don't necessarily belong there or fit in. Uh, and that's the, honestly, probably up to this point, the greatest gift I've received as a teacher from Habitual Roots is being able to find a way to connect in community that's not in the studio. Mm. And there's so much amazing stuff that happens in the studio, but I needed something else. Mm. I needed another outlet. Um, and now it's beautiful because we collaborate with some of the studios. So we sort of have a little bit of overlap. What right is now. that other outlet for you? Um, just being able to gather cool. and, and create this sense of community that you know, we talk after class, sometimes mm. to the point where Kevin and I are like, we have stuff to do. I gotta, <laughs> we gotta go. go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah. And one other thing in my practice lately is especially coming out of a training is uh, re understanding and rediscovering and re unpacking the difference between habit and ritual. 
And then, you know, we teach people about habits and talk about habits all the time. And for me, I always have to remember, you know, sometimes our practices become habits and we just sort of do them. You know, they say every day you do. And sometimes you just do, you just do. And for me, it's, that's kind of like the shallow end of the pool sort of stuff and slowing down and getting back. Like for me, the biggest difference between a habit and a ritual is whether we're intentional with it, whether it feels sacred to us, how, what's our quality of our presence when we're doing it. Mm. Um, that, so, you know, going back into training, being seen by my teacher, I was like, okay, Amanda, you've developed some habits, <laughs> time to get back to, you know, slowing down and remembering the mm. ritual of everything. Amazing. What, what would you, what's your experience of being full-time yoga teacher and being able to make it work? How do you do that? Where I, <laughs> I, I mean, like, I know a lot of yoga teachers who don't make that work, right? Haven't been able to make that work. And they are teaching full-time and they're burning the stick at both ends. Hmm. What's been your experience of being able to maintaining the balance of that? Yeah. I I mean, for me, teaching full-time, I think is, is different than it is for other people. Like I teach, you know, 10, if I'm subbing a bunch, maybe 15 classes a week, but that's a lot. Like I try to stay around 10 and that includes a handful of studio classes where I teach alignment. I teach gentle yoga. I teach yin, which are all very different practices. I teach kids yoga. I work for Jeffco public schools. We teach in the park. (laughs) Every habitual roots class is a completely different experience Mm -hmm. um, than a regular studio class. And I teach for, I do retreats. We do special events. Um, You know, I, now that I've kind of been in one place for a while, which living in Denver, just the last couple of years, this is the first time I've been like really grounded Mm. as a teacher. And even in just a couple of years, noticing, you know, people will hit me up to work this event or get called in to do this, or we get asked to curate wellness spaces. And there's just a lot of other things going on. And I think I spend, I thought about this earlier today. I think I spend probably a third of my time just working on scheduling myself with all this stuff. But, um, you know, it's when you're truly in alignment with what you're supposed to be doing, it feels less Mm. like work. In fact, I looked at my planner today and was like, or yesterday and was like, I should be overwhelmed (laughs) and I'm not feel very surprisingly composed. Mm. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I mean, it just works, you know, obviously I'm not a millionaire, but I couldn't imagine doing anything else. And Mm. I, I tie dye, I have my own business on the side, which I haven't been doing a lot of, but that's my creative outlet and also an source of income when I need it. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think for me, it's just having that variety of not being on the hustle of teaching 20 plus classes in studios. I used to do that. I I've never done that. I can't imagine (laughs) doing that. Yeah. Don't suggest it. When I moved to Colorado almost five years ago, I was like, I can't have that third money-making job, but I also can't stop teaching yoga or tie-dyeing. So it's just, yeah, just making it work. I feel you. Yeah. Deeply. Yeah. What's, um, what's your wisdom to someone who wants to teach more, but they're not finding success in that someone that's listening. Hmm. Like they want more classes. Yeah. They want to put themselves out there. Maybe they only have one class a week. Maybe they only have two classes a week or they don't have as much connections. You know, Mm. it is about who, you know, I think um, in this world and being able to be able to resource with the people, you know, to put yourself out there. A, but what's, what's your words to them for someone who's like, you know, I, I hear you. Like 
that's amazing. You have this amazing community you get to teach at, but what about me? I don't have that. Someone, mm. I, I have that, but I'm, you know, for someone, <laughs> someone that wants that. Yeah. What would you say to them? Practice, practice and all is coming. <laughs> I mean, that's literally been my mantra to myself since probably longer, but the most memorable time that it came into my life and really stuck was probably four or five years ago. Um, moved out here was, you know, still figuring out how do I do this? Mm. How do I afford to live and thrive and go on all the trips and do all the things that I want to do and still live out my Dharma mm. and not let all this other stuff distract it, you know? Um, and for me already having two main jobs, <laughs> the idea of having a third one, cause I'm sure there is ways of having income as you know, where it is still in alignment with you mm-hmm. and it's not teaching yoga, mm-hmm. but I already had two things. So I was just like, I, I mm-hmm. need to figure out how to make this work. And for me, it always, always comes back to practice. The more dedicated that I am to my practice and to living in alignment with myself, it literally allows me to trust more. And when you trust and you show up, so showing up to the places that you want to teach, finding your community, finding your friends as mm-hmm. we have, finding your friends that also teach and are in this world, because guess what? It's not a competition. Mm-hmm. We are here to help each other mm-hmm. and to elevate each other. And especially like, I feel so grateful to have found you because we literally find you find people that you really resonate with mm-hmm. and how they show up and how they teach and how they practice. And when you find people <laughs> like that, you know, that's when magic happens. It's true. And I just, yeah, practice and find your people. I love Cause it. I, the spiritual journey is really lonely as they mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. at least it starts out that way. Mm. I didn't have that community for so long. Mm. You know, I had a really long-term partner that was not into this stuff, thought it was all woo woo and, you know, even mocked it. Mm. And I would show up and I would teach. And then when I would leave the studio, it was almost like I was living this double life. Mm. Some of my friends practiced, but they did like hot power yoga. So, you know, our yoga paths didn't cross over actually. Right. It's different. And so I was like the yoga teacher in my group of friends in California. And I didn't have a community of yoga mm. teachers. Um, it slowly started to build in 2016 when I took Annie's training, but then I moved and went abroad again. And then I came here and, you know, I've been such a mover and a vagabond that it's been, it's been hard to find those people. Yeah. Um, and now that I'm mature and in my thirties, <laughs> somewhat grounded in one city. <laughs> wearing rainbows though. And definitely still wearing rainbows, but calling in these beautiful, amazing, inspiring people mm. that teach or practice <clears throat> or own a nonprofit. And, you know, it's, that's, what's helped me is, amazing. is being here and being dedicated to not only finding it, but allowing it to find me. I think it's the, the the statement, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher comes, mm-hmm. it goes both ways mm-hmm. with community. When you're ready, when your soul's ready, when the pathway is ready to receive new partnerships, new teachers, mm-hmm. new friendships, new community that share similar values. I think it's all just a reflection of what we're accessing and what we're calling in in our own minds. So mm-hmm. I love that. That's amazing. And we have to be willing to let things fall away. You know, well, you know, they say, I, I can't remember where I read it in, in a yoga sutra reflection, but I think it was by Bhavani Maki pathway of the yoga sutras. She said, what doesn't belong naturally falls away mm-hmm. as we practice. And that also includes people mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Which I think 
both all three of us can find deep resonance with and, you know, blessings to those people who have shared the pathway with our life at to a certain point, there is that path where we get to keep walking or we deny our truth and we hold ourselves back by not being willing to perhaps disappoint another. Mm. I think that's something that I'm so grateful for my yoga practice that mm. I'm willing to, with love, disappoint another if it's following my heart's truth, mm. that takes courage. Mm -hmm. And I know that that is the courageous path of the yogi mm -hmm. is to express your truth, no matter what, to express your authentic self. Mm -hmm. Right. Hmm. Well said with rainbows and butterflies. Yes. <laughs> we <laughs> feel it all, you know? Yes. So you said something around um, cultivating wellness spaces mm -hmm. and there's a very exciting wellness space that is coming to fruition in just a, by the time this is released, a few days. Mm -hmm. So what do we got? <laughs> What's coming up? Tell, tell me about the journey of how that happened for you. Because you texted me <laughs> and you were like, would you be interested in this? And like, you know, sometimes <laughs> I get invites and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like, let's gauge. Like, I'll, I'll see. Like, let me feel it out. And I'm like, so elated. Yeah. For Drishti Beats mm -hmm. 2022. How did this come into your life? Um. So... I saw a post from one of our friends on our beloved Instagram and <laughs> it was, it serves awesome. some purpose sometimes. And she shared their lineup like on her story or whatever. And so I clicked on it and I was like, what is this? I've never heard of this. Oh, it's an Aspen, which is, you know, a mere three hours from us. And their lineup was like five of my favorite artists. So Gotta I was go. like, this looks great. And it was advertised as a yoga and music festival. And so I was thinking, you know, Wanderlust vibes or what, it, what is this? Mm -hmm. So anyway, I started exploring who Drishti Beats was, and they basically are composed of a whole team and a lot, a lot of family. It's, it's actually, their story is so beautiful, but so they, cool. they started this festival activation called Drishti Beats where they teach yoga and they have tons of different kinds of music, whether it's someone singing or playing the violin or DJing, it's it's epic what they do. And they decided to turn it into a whole ass festival, which is incredible. Um, and so I just felt that again, instinctive, this is part of my human design, this instinctive intuition to just reach out to them. So I sent them an email and it literally just said like, Hey, you know, I'm in collaboration with this nonprofit. We would love to get involved. Don't know what that means. Super short vague email, basically, like maybe we offer a workshop or a lecture or curate a wellness space, just kind of threw that in there. And she emailed back and it was Lori, who's the creator of this mm -hmm. festival, which was great because we got on a call with her and, um, what she was interested in was obviously when she got to know us, she wanted Kevin to do a lecture and me to present a class. But, um, you know, the first conversation was initially us just pitching this idea of a wellness lounge. And I was calling it the integration station at first, <laughs> which is, you know, ultimately what it is, you know? Um, and I, I've had some funny visions of like, how do we have like some sort of train or, you know, that goes to the first stop integration station, but, um, it's, it is meant to be this playful activation where people come in and we, it's not just a tea lounge that you see at regular festivals where you go in and you sit and you just like have tea with your friends. It's mm -hmm. like you come in and you're coming into our community and we are there to help facilitate 
this experience of authentic connection, spiritual integration, even solitude, quiet, meditation, sound healing, body workers. So we have this space where people can come rest, they can come play, they can ground, they can re-energize and revitalize. Um, obviously tea time all the time. We'll be in there just pouring tea. And my heart is really excited about the heart opening happy hour. So every night we'll do a cacao ceremony and just to get everyone elevated for their evening. Um, but yeah, so honestly, I didn't really know what it was going to be. And then once we talked to Lori, you know, she was so excited and she was like, do you have any friends you would recommend? And she was like, luckily you talked to the creator. Cause I say yes. And you're in, and it's just slowly built from there. And I messaged Kevin one day, like, I think I know what we should call this. Um, and I think we should call it at first I was playing with habitual Haven and it's just mm. been shortened to the Haven. Yeah, so this I is like just that. a safe space. It's a refuge for people mm. to come to. And, um, you know, it's just, yeah, it is again, this idea that Kevin and I just through all of our sacred mirrors have been mm told and reflected to that we do create this space for people mm. to just come as they are and we meet them there mm. and that's kind of the main intention behind this space yeah what do you have to share about the haven and drishti beats hmm. it was always calling to us and we were finally ready to pick up mm-hmm. you know, mm. i find that i think it's a part of our journey that this is something that we were always destined and it's something that i have felt that is more in alignment for all of us and i think there's an opportunity for us to just experience a level of play and connection and bring something we're all passionate about into this experience that um, we've all seen but now it's all the parts are coming together in such a seamless way um you know from tea to the body working to again just the integration aspect of it um and even just the bubble guns and the silliness that we can bring into the play um you know i think something about this world that i really hone in on is the playground Mm. and how Mm -hmm. we were confined in this fence with a slide and a swing set but when we start to expand beyond that and i know we got to see each other at sonic bloom um this past week and um realizing that the playground in itself is supersedes all of that. Mm. And so now how do we bring that same experience, that same level of connection as what we felt um, at festivals, at playgrounds, at all these things that we curate, but to other humans that may not have access to it. And so how do we spark that same thing within themselves, Mm. you know, and allow them to start being and experiencing. And so the Haven is that sanctuary for people um, to ground, reset, have that moment for whatever it looks like, whatever it it feels like, and then allow them to show up greater for the next interaction. I'll be there after I teach. (laughs) (laughs) Before. I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you texted me and I was just so elated to hear your vision, got in touch with Lori. And then next thing I knew, I was introducing Lori to Andrew Andrew. Seeley, Jonah Kest, my dear friend Shakti Bird and Bryant Woods and Rob Loud, all people who have been on this podcast. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's so exciting. And I'm just... It's a homey fest. It is. It is a homey (laughs) fest. Yeah. And we are, you know, really hoping that it's successful. So it is something we can keep here in Colorado, whether it stays at Snowmass or moves to a different venue. But Mm -hmm. this is something I think we are all getting in on the ground floor of because it is so 
potent. You know, we haven't had something like this in a long time in Colorado, not even since I've lived here. And we want this to live on. We want this to continue to grow, to expand. Um, I just am so excited about it. If it wasn't for this festival, the Haven may not exist yet. Mm. You know, I love it. And if you are listening to this and you're inspired by Drishti Beats, the episode before this is by Lori Lowell, who's the mm. owner and the founder of Drishti Beats. So definitely check it out. Mm. And uh, in closing, the last question that I love to ask both of you is what's one golden nugget that you would love to leave our listeners with? Just one little golden nugget. I feel like you could pull some golden nuggets from this conversation, but I'm trying to think of one that I've been thinking of lately. Do you have one? I mean, I literally have it around the front of my vehicle everywhere I drive. It's literally one word, breathe. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. Breathe. Mm. Um, I think mine in this moment is trust. Mm. And I think that also just one word. Amazing. Mm. I love it. And okay, my one, leave it up to interpretation. <laughs> yeah. If I, if I were to play off that with one word, it is synchronicity. Mm. Mm. Don't look for it. Well, my friends, from my heart to yours, namaste. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And if you are called and inspired, please do join us at Drishti Beats Festival, July 8th through 10th in Snowmass, Colorado. Tickets are available. Lodging is available. And you'll be able to join Amanda, Kevin, myself, all the previous teachers, and some of our favorite artists from Polish Ambassador, Random Rab, Edamame, Frameworks, Desert Lapa, DJ Tabs Rashid, so many incredible people. DJ Parasox. Ooh, that, yeah. (laughs) So, my friends from Yoga Revealed family, Andrew and I have some amazing things in the works. Stay tuned. Yoga Revealed will be at Drishti Beats. So much love. Namaste. Yoga Revealed, this is your brother, Alec Vishal Rubin, in Boulder, Colorado, coming at you with extra love and extra gratitude. Thank you for tuning in. If you found as much value from this episode as I did, please leave us a five-star review, drop a comment on our Instagram page, and share this to your stories. We are so excited to gather during this potent time of life. Come and celebrate with music, one another, and the wisdom of yoga pulsing through us all. Go to festival.drishtibeats.com slash tickets to secure your ticket and use YR Beats as a discount code. And if you're inspired by Amanda and Kevin, you can find them on Instagram. Their hashtags and their at signs are in the description. And be sure to tune in with us at habitualroots.com. So much love for you, my friend. The world needs your medicine more than ever. Better believe it. From my heart to yours, namaste and aloha.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 